Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We, as, as we mentioned each week, this, uh, we're not really doing a series so much right now as we are um, working through our, our weekly Bible readings. So um, if you're not a part of that, I encourage you to, if you haven't started that, this is a good time to get started. We're uh, just starting into June, so uh, just pick up, right, pick up, pick up a sheet in the back and just start with us. Um, we're just going to be preaching every week uh, from one of the passages from our weekly Bible readings. And so I encourage you to follow along throughout the week and, and spend some time studying that. But we're going to be in Philippians. Um, Paul is writing this letter, um, Philippians, to a church in Philippi, oddly enough, um, which is where the, where the book gets its name, Philippians. Um, Paul, so he's writing this letter, and as we, as we, before we get into our passage, I want us to, I want us to kind of get some context of what's going on in Philippi. It's, it's going to be helpful for us as we look at this, this, uh, these few verses that Paul gives us here uh, to understand who these people are that he's writing to. So Paul is writing to, to this city called Philippi. There's, a, there's a, a church there that he started, and he's writing to them, and Philippi was a Roman colony. Uh, specifically, it was a Roman colony inhabited mostly with retired soldiers, retired military. So uh, the idea was that when, when people in their military service finished, they didn't want the, the Roman city, the Roman government, didn't want all of these retired soldiers coming back and hanging around Rome um, with nothing to do. And so they gave them land in different places around the Roman Empire where they could, they could then live and establish and have a family and, and, and live. So Philippi, Philippi is one of these colonies. And so people that lived in Philippi, when, when Philippi became a Roman colony, uh, anybody that was already a, a member of that city, a part of that city, became a Roman citizen. Um, and, and then obviously the, the military people would have been uh, given Roman citizenship as well. So Paul's writing to a, a Roman colony filled with a bunch of retired military people um, and, and Roman citizens. So he's, he's writing to them and he's, and he's giving them this letter. Now, um, the, the Romans had a very specific way of keeping control and maintaining control of, of their people. Are, do we have any confirmation students here today? Current com- uh, Jenny... How did how did the Greeks keep control of their the the Greek Empire was the empire right before the Roman Empire? How did the Greeks keep control of their people? Do you remember? Make them all Greek. Exactly. Do you remember what the word for it is? Does anybody know the word for that? Hellenization, um, which just means it. I really translate it means Greekness or Greek Greekization. And make them all Greek. Um, so they would have Greek cities. They would they would give them. They would make everybody speak the Greek language, and they set up their Greek religion. The Greek gods would would be the gods that you now worship. And so when when the Greeks would move through and they're establishing their empire, what they would do is they they said, okay, now now that you're conquered, now you're one of us, and and we're going to give you everything that we have as the Greek society. We're going to make you like us. 
Um, how did the Romans keep peace? Any, any other confirmation students that I can call on here? <laughs> yeah. Do what you're told. Yeah. Um, specific, do you remember the term for it? It's a Latin term. Pax Romana. Yeah. The peace of Rome. Here's what, here's how, here's how the Romans kept peace. Do what you're told or we crucify you. It's a, it was pretty effective. Um, um, the peace of Rome was, was we bring, we will bring peace to your, to your nation, to your cities. And we will bring peace by conquering you. And if you get out of line, we will punish you. And, and peace is established. And the Roman military was very effective in, in striking down rebellions and striking down the dissenters. And so peace was maintained throughout the Roman Empire because it was peace through force, through brute force. Um, so the Pax Romana was the way that these retired soldiers knew about keeping peace. They, were, they, had, they had been involved in spreading peace through their neighboring lands as they, as they conquered. Um, they brought about the peace of Rome. Now, who knows who, who can, whether it's a confirmation student or not, who was in charge of the Roman Empire? The emperor, whose name was Caesar. He invented a salad. Um, um, yeah, Chris. What did he say? <laughs> Let us have lettuce. Good. Um, so, so Caesar is in charge of the Roman Empire. And this actually, uh, the, the transition, I was looking this up on Wikipedia last night to make sure I get this, I got this right. So, you know, you know if Wikipedia got it. Uh, uh, the Roman Empire didn't used to be run by Caesar. It used to be run by the Roman Senate. Um, but eventually, uh, around the 27 BC is when Caesar began to really take control and the Caesars began to gain more power and the Senate gain less. So by the time that Paul is writing here, Caesar is the one who is in charge of Rome. He's the one who, who leads the army and, and who directs the army. And he is the one who brings peace. In fact, they used to, there, there were sayings that, that Caesar was your Lord and Savior, the bringer of peace. In fact, uh, maybe one of our confirmation students can tell us, what was, there was a saying, Caesar is Lord. What, what was that known as um, in the Roman Empire? Jenny, do you remember? What did they call that? Alex? Where's Alex? You see hiding over there? <laughs> do you remember what Caesar is Lord, what they called that? What phrase they had or what word? Anybody? It was called the good news, the gospel. Caesar is Lord. And so Paul writes this letter to this Philippian church. Um, And in chapter 2, let's just look at chapter 2 here real quick. We're going to be in chapter 4, but he tells them this, chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Paul says, first of all, Paul says that that the way that this happened for Christ was was through the cross. How did the Romans bring peace? through the cross but but jesus died on the cross to bring peace um, and he says at the name of jesus every knee shall by, bow every tongue in heaven and on earth confess that jesus christ is lord not caesar is lord jesus is lord um, so he, this this is the context this is this is the the people that paul is writing to a Roman people living within a Roman colony of ex-military people who brought about the peace of Rome, um, people who people who were it was their job to enforce this good news that Caesar was Lord, and he says Jesus is Lord. Paul's writing from a Roman prison. He's he's in prison by this by this Roman military, by this Roman might, and he's writing saying Jesus is Lord. And he's encouraging these people to proclaim Jesus, not Caesar, his Lord. Now, Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4. He says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, let's just go to the Lord and pray this morning. God, we ask that as we study your word and, and explore this passage, that we may hear the things that you have for us. Lord, the things that are, that are not from you, that are just from me, uh, may those be easily forgotten. Um, and the things that are of you, Lord, may we f- hold on to them fast. Uh, may they become a part of us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so this passage here that we just read kind of seems a little disjointed. It kind of seems like Paul is, is talking about a, a bunch of different things. But, but there's... there's a unity there's a theme going through what paul is trying to get at uh, in fact if you have a bible that has um that has like chapter head like section headings or gives a title to your section mine just says exhortations does you have anything that is more clear than that i mean it's just kind of like 
he gets to the end, and, he's, and it almost seems like he's, got, he's running out of space, and so he just kind of this, 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 this. But, th- but there's unity. It, there's a connection. And as we go through, we'll see this connection. When I say the word rejoice, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear rejoice? Joy, okay. Hallelujah chorus, did you say? Okay. Phil, what did you say the other night? Throw your hands up and shout. You know, uh, anything else? What comes to mind when you say joy or rejoice? Celebration? Exaltation? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's an active thing, isn't it? Rejoicing. It's, it, you're, you're doing something. Uh, what comes to mind, so, so as we read this, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. What is he, what is he telling them? What do you think he's saying? Once isn't enough? Okay, good. Not circumstance-based? Overflow? Thankfulness? Yeah. Um, the, here's, I, I've grown up hearing this verse. I grew up in church, and we had songs about this verse. And, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a verse that you're, if you've been around church for an, a number of years, you're, you're probably pretty familiar with. And, and here's what's hard for me about this verse, is that it's very easy for this verse to become about, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And what this means is that we're supposed to, like, be happy about Jesus and, and just kind of feel nice about him all the time. Even when things aren't going well, we should at least still have some internal joy within us. Is this kind of what, what you think as you... Uh, but, but think about that explanation versus what we just talked about rejoicing means. It's celebration. It's, it's active. It's, it's doing something. It's not just sort of kind of feeling good and, and having, having warm feelings in our heart about, about the Lord. But it's, it's active celebration. It's, it's joyful. And the, and the reason you might have been thinking as we did the scripture reading, the Second Chronicles, like what, what does that have to do with anything? Why did we read that? Uh, think, look at the rejoicing that we read about in that passage. What were they doing? They were feasting. They were celebrating. They were, they were singing. They were, they were doing things. When I think of rejoicing, uh, I have a lot of sports analogies that come into my mind. Like, like what happens, the, the rejoicing that happens when, when your team is down in the bottom of the ninth and they hit a walk-off home run. Like, the, if, you, if you're in the stadium at the time, like, everybody's on their feet, everybody's high-fiving, you're high-fiving strangers, you don't, you know, it's, you're hugging, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, these, this is the idea that Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord, to celebrate to, to sing, to shout, to proclaim his goodness, to proclaim that he is Lord, and that he is Lord not just of, of my life, but of, but of everything. He is Lord. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is Lord. Rejoice, celebrate, proclaim it. Share it. I mean, I mean, this is what we do, right? When, when something, something good and, and beautiful happens in our lives, when, or, or even something that, that just gets us excited that maybe not be that good, like, like a sports event, like you're, you're high-fiving those strangers. Um, when, when you come to a wedding 
And and you're sitting you're sitting at the wedding and, and the bridal party, everybody kind of comes forward and the music is playing. And then uh, and then the doors open and here comes the bride. And what do you do? You stand up. You, you, you're part of that celebration, but, but you probably don't stand up because you're not really an expressive type person. And it's, that's not really, I mean, everybody else does, but that's not really your thing. No, of course not. You, you celebrate that. You participate in that. It's, it's active. It's, it's a way uh, to celebrate what's going on here. And, and even for those of us who may be a little bit more reserved in our personality, we can still rejoice when things deserve being rejoiced about. I ended a sentence in a preposition, but that's okay. We rejoice uh, when things deserve to be rejoiced about. Uh, And this is what Paul is saying. Rejoice in the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Uh, His his creative work, his goodness, his salvation, his control of, over our circumstances. Celebrate these things. Proclaim it. We throw parties about the goodness of the Lord. We, we celebrate this goodness. Rejoice in the Lord. Um, this is what the people of Israel were doing when they, threw, when they had the Passover feast. They were, they were rejoicing in the Lord. And oftentimes we just think, well, that just means I fe- have to kind of feel rejoicing and feel joy within myself. But no, it's, we do joy. It's, it's an active thing. And then he says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Um, when you think of the word gentleness, um, it, it kind of sounds a little uh, weak, doesn't it? Um, I, heard, I heard somebody... Pre- preaching on this passage once, and I'm pretty sure I re- if I remember it correctly, he compared. He said, "When I hear gentleness, what I think of is a sandwich that's been left out in the rain. <laughs> like it's just kind of so, oh, gross, you know." Um, but this isn't this isn't what gentleness means. This isn't what this word that Paul is using means. It, it actually is. There's a strength behind this gentleness. The idea behind it is is steadfastness. Um, it's, it's a patient strength. Um, and Paul is writing to people who are, who are if, if they're not already being persecuted, they, the more and more they begin saying things like, Jesus is Lord and not Caesar, they're going to be persecuted pretty soon. And he's, he's reminding them, he's writing to them, he's saying, let your gentleness be evident at all. Remain strong in your, in your faith. Have patient strength. This idea of gentleness would be that you, that you stand firm in the face of injustice and attacks. That, that when the, the negative things come at you, when, when you begin to be attacked, uh, that, that you don't lose who you are in Christ. That you don't all of a sudden begin to stop rejoicing in the Lord. To stop celebrating Him. To stop proclaiming His goodness to this world and you begin instead to fight back with more persecution against the people persecuting you they begin to attack those who are attacking you it says no let your gentleness be evident to all remain firm and rejoicing in the lord celebrating his goodness proclaiming the lord still and this is this is really important for us because 
we live in a world, and especially here in Seattle, we live in a, in a community where people can be very antagonistic to the gospel, can't they? And, and sometimes our tendency when we, when we hear, do you hear what they're saying or do you hear what they're saying about Christians? Or, uh, our tendency can be uh, to attack back or, or to, to get angry or bitter or get defensive. But Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. To, to not overcome evil with evil, but to overcome evil with good. To continue to proclaim and celebrate the Lord's goodness even in the face of opposition. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And then he says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious. Uh, don't, don't worry about things. But instead, with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Uh, and notice what he says here. He says, but in everything. The, little, the literal Greek here means in everything. Uh, and, and sometimes this, this can be a hard one too. This, we, can, we can think about our prayer life and we think, well, you know, God doesn't really care about that, so I shouldn't pray about that. Well, if you care about it, God cares about it. Um, and, and oftentimes we think that we can, only, we can or should only come to God with, with the really important requests, with really the only really important concerns. Um, but that's not what Paul says here. He says, in everything, present your requests to God. In everything. The idea here is that we have a constant conversation with god that as things come our way that that concern us that 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 give cause us worry uh, things that we care about that we, that we place them in his hands again and again and again we that we don't say oh well that one i'll just kind of i'll just deal with that one on my own um, we we're talking about this the other night um just i uh, i should give you a disclaimer here we're so I found out the other day that I was preaching because Pastor Jim was sick, but we actually were in our Thursday night um, group act, our, our young adult group. We're actually going through Philippians right now, and we just happened to be in Philippians chapter 4. So um, it's not as though I just sort of found out about this, like just had to come up with this yesterday morning to come up with a sermon. I kind of had some ideas here already. Um, so when I say we we're talking about this the other night, we were literally talking about this just the other night. Um, and, uh, and we're saying, you know, again, a sports idea. Have you ever heard, like, don't, you don't pray about, like, your sports team winning and things like that. Have you ever, anybody ever been told that maybe or, or thought that? Like, maybe, you know, uh, you don't want to pray that the Sonics come back or something like that. Um, uh, but, but here's the thing is, is why not, right? I mean, God can always choose to answer that prayer no like no the mariners will not win the world series this year um uh but but if if it matters to us why why not pray about it you know there are people on that team who 
probably are praying to God about their performance and and that matters to him. So why doesn't you think God doesn't care about how they do? I mean, God, I think God cares about how I do in my job. I think he probably cares about how well you do in your work. And so, I mean, it kind of seems silly, but, but if it really matters to you, pray about it. If it matters to you that, you know, you're, you're looking for a parking place at the mall, um, Pray about it. God could, God could choose to teach you patience and um, have you park at the far end of the mall anyway. But, but pray. He says, he says, in everything, present your request to God. In everything. Uh, put, put him in his hands. It doesn't say that if when you do this, God will always be answering your prayers affirmatively and, and you'll get everything that you want. No. But what does he say? He says, when you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, that that you will have His peace. That when you when you when you stop worrying and caring about all these things that you're trying to hold, and you're being weighed down by it, and you just take them and you place them in His hands, that He will give you peace. He will allow you to rest. Um, and oftentimes the reason why we don't have that peace is because we're still trying to hold on to it ourselves. We're not making our requests known to God. And notice what he says here. He says the peace of God, not the peace of Rome, the peace of God. And again, he's writing to these people in this military colony. He says, we'll guard your hearts and your minds. This is very military language. Um, he says the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, that you will have this peace. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, he says, think about these things, which makes me th- think, why? Like, what, what does thinking about these things do? Um, whatever is true, whatever is noble. The idea here is, is pay attention to these things. Pay attention to what is true. Pay attention to what is noble. Pay attention to what is right what is pure, what is lovely. We live in a world that is consumed with the negative, don't we? I mean, 2012, every four years, we, we hit this again, right? Politics. Um, all it is, it seems like, it seems like every, every cycle it gets worse, Right? That, that it's just attacking this person, attacking this person, and, and you turn on the news and it's just all about these, all of these messages because, because this sells, right? This is what we want. We, we, we sort of crave this conflict and, and we can get so sucked in to the negative that, that this person, this person, this person, and so sucked into the criticizing and the picking apart and, and looking for the bad 
in the, in the other. We, we live in a world where this is just, this is just who, what, what we get. This is, becomes who we are. Uh, the, it's, it's so easy to pick something apart. It's so easy for, for me to sit and to see something that I don't like or that I disagree with or, or maybe it even is something that I do like, but I, I, can, I can find the faults and say, well, you, you know, you said this wrong or, you know. And it's so easy to, to pull things apart and to tear things down and, and to, to fixate ourselves upon that which destroys, that which is negative, that which is destructive, those things that are not true. Those things that are not good, noble, pure. Um, this, these, are, these are the messages that we're filled with day in and day out. And it takes, I would say it takes real effort to consider, to dwell on, to pay attention to those things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy takes real effort to pay attention to those things and this is what paul says that that we become the kind of people who focus our minds on these things not on these that that put our efforts into those good things not not into the negative that we make this a part of who we are Um, because how can we rejoice in the Lord, how can we celebrate the goodness of the Creator and and the goodness of of the Savior when all the time our thoughts are consumed with what is bad and what is wrong and what 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 needs to be fixed? He says, "No, focus your hearts and minds, set yourselves on what is good, what is true." And I think, um, I think hopefully, as as we've been going through this, you maybe have seen a theme here. Um, and if you haven't, I'll, I'll kind of try to lay it out for you. Um, there's there's a lot of you. If if we just kind of stepped out of this and we we took we took this these ideas that we've been talking about here, and we just we took them to a self help seminar. We'd have a lot to work with, wouldn't we? Um, you know, rejoice, just just be joyful, um, be gentle, be you know, don't don't fight back, but just you know, uh, be gentle to to those who attack you. Uh, don't don't worry, don't be anxious. Um, focus on the good. Like we we could pull all that out and and give that to somebody, and they could write a book and and make a bunch of money, probably. So if you're looking for money, there you go. I just, uh, but but what is it that's what? Why why is this not just self-help? What's the theme here? What's what's connecting all of this? God, Christ, the work of the Lord is in all of this. He doesn't say just hey, just rejoice, just rejoice in the Lord, celebrate the Lord. Celebrate his goodness. Celebrate his salvation. Celebrate his work. Uh, Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious, but in everything, make your requests known to God. Place these things in his hands. The theme through all of this, 
is the goodness of God. That he is Lord. He is Savior. He is the one that we are to rely on. He is the one that we are to rejoice in. It's, it's his character. It's, it's who he is. And this is what Paul says to this, this Philippian church uh, from, from a Roman prison. He writes to them, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. To, to know his goodness. To know it and celebrate it always. And this is not circumstantial. I mean, again, he's writing from prison. Um, it's, not just, it's not just, hey, look on the bright side of things. But it's celebrate the goodness of what God has done and is doing in your life. To actively celebrate it. To proclaim it in our lives. To live in such a way that we celebrate him. And that when worries come our way, we, we, we hand them off to him. We trust that he is working in our lives. Paul will say later, um, verse 11, he'll say, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And this, this is what Paul is, is spurring these Philippians onto, to rejoice that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is in control, that even when things don't go, go right, even when you're sitting in a, in a Roman prison, you can rejoice that Jesus is Lord, that he has you there for a reason. He says, this, 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 rejoice, 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 rejoice. Um, the, the, the title in your bulletin was from Pastor Jim. If I had put up, had given a title, it would have been that. Just rejoice, 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 rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. This is, this is the attitude. This is how we are to understand who God is and what he's doing, that we celebrate it again and again and again and again and again, that we throw parties for Jesus, that, that, that we have our friends over and we barbecue and, and we have great times because we're celebrating his goodness. We celebrate in, in every, any and every situation that we can celebrate the Lord is working, his goodness, that we rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. God, we... Um, I confess that it's so easy to focus on the negative. It's so easy um, to be consumed by those things that aren't true, that aren't noble, that aren't right. so easy to celebrate maybe um, the things that are happening within our lives um, and, and not paying attention to what you are doing in our lives. And so we ask, uh, 
We ask for the ability that to celebrate, to rejoice in you, to know you, um, and, and to, to proclaim you to our world with joy. Pray this in your name. Uh, may you rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Um, May you celebrate God's goodness. May you celebrate his salvation always.